Hey, everybody. Welcome to Just for Variety. Today is August 24th, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coming up on today's podcast, I sit down with Heidi Klum. The supermodel business mogul is talking about the third season of Making the Cut. Plus, Klum recalls meeting Anna Winter for the first time, and she also explains why she didn't participate in Hulu's Victoria's Secret docuseries. Then later, I catch up with John Boyega. The actor stars in the new thriller, Breaking, about a Marine veteran who takes several people hostage in a bank after he feels he's being mistreated by Veterans Affairs. But before we get to today's guests, let's take a look at this week's Just for Variety column. Have you started watching Echoes, Netflix's new bonkers but addictive series about identical twin sisters, both played by Michelle Monaghan? Brian Yorkie, who serves as co-showrunner alongside Quentin Peoples, recently revealed to me he wanted things to get even creepier, but Netflix execs put the kibosh on his plans. There was a moment where the twins kissed, Yorkie says, adding, they were like, uh, why do they have to kiss? Do they have to kiss? It wasn't so much that they were afraid of it, but they just weren't sure where it was going. I was like, it's not really going anywhere, Yorkie says. It's just twisted, and the show is twisted. Echoes is available on Netflix. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm talking to Heidi Klum, who hosts the third season of Amazon Prime Video's Making the Cut with Tim Gunn. We, of course, chatted about the success of the fashion competition show, but Klum also recalls the first time she met Anna Winter. She gushers over her daughter's modeling career and insists we won't be seeing a Keeping Up with the Klum's reality show anytime soon. Plus, she weighs in on Hulu's new Victoria's Secret docuseries and explains why she didn't participate in the project. Here is Heidi Klum. Congratulations on another season. Yay, thank you. My husband and I love the show. Ah, that makes me very happy, you know, because I'm leaving a show that, you know, had been a success for many, many years to jump that ship was, you know, being hopeful, but also obviously you worry that when you start something new again, that um, people will come and follow us again, you know, that they will uh, jump ship with us. And, you know, so far people have been loving making the cut. They've been loving the designers and also the shoppable aspect of it also. You know, where's the wood here and here? Let's knock it off. So, you know, we've been very um, thankful and happy for all of that. One of the first things you say in the new season in the first episode, it said, you said, you think this is the best bunch you've had yet. Yes. Why do you say I mean, you know, every season is, every new season is always the best season, obviously, you know. But also, I feel like these designers have also now two um, seasons under their belt. You know, they got to see season one. They got to see season two. They understand it a little bit more. And I also feel like... You know, season one, when we um, asked for people to participate, they only knew that Tim and I were doing this. They had no idea about anything else. So we were already happy that even people came at all, you know, because they didn't know there was a million dollar at the end. So when I told them for the first time there's a million dollar prize, like literally everyone's eyes fell out of their heads. They were like, what? (laughs) This is what we signed up for? So, you know, obviously now, you know, seeing this for two years, you know, people are like, okay, 
I want to also participate, you know, because I think everyone always has a bit of pride and they're like, oh, this is reality show and I'm better than reality show and whatnot. But, you know, now they see that it is actually really tastefully done and that the pieces that we make at the end of each assignment are actually really good. And, you know, it pushes their you know, their whole business along, not only the person that wins at the end, but everyone else too, you know, everything elevates in their life, you know, so, um, you know, we get definitely a lot of designers that maybe before would have not done it. And now they see it and they're like, yes, we want to be part of that. Does it ever get any easier to send someone home? Um, of course not, because, you know, they're real people and especially, you know, this season, you know, we had someone really beg us to stay and that's really hard, you know, because mm -hmm. they're like, please give us another chance. Please give me another chance. Please give me another chance. And it's hard, you know, and you want someone to have another chance, obviously. But, you know, this is I mean, everyone was not for it. So, um, you know, this person did not get another chance and it's sad. Um, mm. you know, but then we focus more on the other people that are still there. No, it's never easy because, you know, that person leaves crushed and also being the first, second one to go must feel the worst out of all the ones that have to leave, you know, because they only got to show one time what they can do. But this is, you know, part of it, you know, the fashion industry is a little bit also, um, you know, you are just as good as your last look that you just showed us. So if it wasn't good and if you were the weakest one, doesn't mean you're a bad designer. You just were that week the weakest one and therefore you have to go. And, you know, I'm sorry. And I try to do it in the nicest way possible, but I know they're still crushed when they go, you know. Do you remember a time when one of your dreams was crushed professionally or in modeling where you wanted something so bad and they said it's just not your time of course yes of course many times yes many just times and any one instance sort of stick out as that I moment i mean i remember meeting anna winter for the very first time for example you know i was even shocked that she would even want to see me because i was a catalog model when i started so i was like i didn't even know that i would even be on her radar because i literally i did newport news and auto like any catalog you name it you know that's what i used to do i never really did so much high fashion or you know runway stuff and stuff like that and you know going to her office i was like all nervous and going there what to wear how to look makeup no makeup what to do and going in her room and just showing her my book she never looked at me once it was just like mm -hmm, thanks and I was like oh okay and then I just walked out of the room and I was like okay she booked me and then mm -hmm. I did work with Steven Meisel and she had like a story that she then did do in the end but that was the only time I ever uh, did do American book I did other books but, um, you know, French Vogue and German and whatnot. But like, um, you know, I mean, there's many different jobs. I was booked once to do Coca-Cola. And then all of a sudden um, they had a different, uh, they had a change in um, uh, ad agency. I already signed the contract. I, had a, I was already going to do all this stuff. And then they changed it. And then I never did it. Because, you know, new people come in, they want, they have a different idea, and then I never got to do it. So obviously, many times I was crushed, you know, to, you know, why did they not book me? Or, you know, why couldn't I do this? Am I not good enough for this or that? Obviously, of course, many times. I mean, I've been in this since 1992. It's a long, long time. Um, you know, looking back at it now, you know, I'm still here. I've seen many come and go during that time and I'm still here. So at the end of the day, I'm happy, obviously, the way everything went. Um, you know, maybe it was good that I have always been more commercial instead of being very edgy because maybe the edgy is kind of what is in and then it goes again. I don't know. You know, you never know why sometimes things work or don't work. I just, I was very lucky in a lot of the times I was at the right time you know in the right place and sometimes i wasn't you know this is this is what makes you such able to be such a great host for a show like this because you're able to look at that person who's sitting there who maybe just got rejected or didn't like their designs and you're able to say you know what i was there i was able to walk through that 
Yeah, I mean, that's life, you know? And just because it doesn't work here doesn't mean you're not good. Or it doesn't mean that you don't have a, a, you know, a job in this industry just because, you know, this one challenge didn't work out for you, you know? I mean, also a lot of people who have been on the show and maybe did not win, they still have a very um, successful, um, you know, life in fashion. You know, maybe we don't see it as much as like a Christian Suriano, for example, who really blew up because of all of this, you know? I mean, he's designing for, you know, um, I don't know, he makes furniture and shoes and, you know, for also, you know, a smaller budget, but also he does haute couture and he dresses, or he dresses every star on the planet, you know, I mean, he does it all. I'm so proud of him, you know, but there's also others. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of that. You may be forgotten their name, but they're still very happy, you know, working under maybe someone else or, you know, and, but they still get to design and, and do what they love doing. So, you know, as long as everyone is working and happy and, um, you know, that's all good. Do you, do you ever, after the show wraps, do you ever reach out to a designer who may not have made it um, to the top and say, you know what, I believe in you, keep going? I mean, I, we do, I do say that to the person when, you know, when we're still there. I mean, it is true that, you know, I mean, think about how many years I've been doing this and how many shows I have been doing apart from Project Runway. Like in Germany this year, I do my 18th season of Germany's Next Top Model. So I always start with 50 models each, each season. So that's eight, you know, that's like a lot of people. So I can't possibly stay in contact with everyone. When, you know, we do part, I always kind of want to give people encouragement. And, you know, at the end of the day, you always have to be your biggest fan, you know, and you have to be the one that drives whatever comes out of you and whatever that is. You know, you just have to keep on going and you always have to keep believing in yourself, whatever job it is you're doing, you know. You, like you said, I mean, you have all these reality shows you're the host of. What's been the oddest pitch you've got, like the weirdest reality show that's been pitched to you to host? Um, I don't know, but like, you know, I know, like I had to pitch these shows, you know, I know you say I'm the host, but really I pitched all of those shows uh, apart mm -hmm. from Top Model because that was Tyra's show. Um, you know, but Project Runway, um, many, many years ago, I went around and pitched that show. You know, I was one of the creators of the show and walked around and, you know, asked people if they wanted to put this show on the air. And people were like, why would we want to watch people so close? That sounds like the most boring thing on the planet. Yes, you know, so, okay, thank you. So then we went to the, you know, to the next network and tried and tried and tried until we found someone that wanted to put us on the air and we started with a super small budget and you know um obviously this deal that i did way back when wasn't the greatest deal but then you know when we were done and um left you know i called him and i said okay i'm jumping ship that was the time do you want to jump with me i have an idea what we should do next um you know Amazon was always number one on my priority list. I mean, there was others that we were also seeing, um, but I always wanted to have that shoppable um, component so that people can actually buy what they see. Because that's why I never understood why do people love these cooking shows? You see all this yummy food and you can't eat it. It's the same with the clothes. You see all these cool designs, but you can't have it. Like, we want to shop this, you know? So for me, it was always, it was a no-brainer that Amazon had to be the person, and it didn't take a lot for um, me to convince them. They also saw it, and, you know, um, they really are an amazing partner because they let us kind of do whatever we want to do. You know, I put kind of our old team together of Sarah Ray, who, you know, is an amazing um, producer, uh, director, who, you know, we've worked with for, you know, many, many years and put a great team together. And now we were able to do all the amazing things we always wanted to do. And people really enjoy the show and they enjoy the shoppable aspect of it all. And, you know, we're super happy in this in this space. So let's do a little fashion rapid fire. Fashion, was a fashion well, rapid fire. Do you have a favorite look you've ever worn? Ooh, 
See, I'm someone who is always very gutsy and ballsy, as you know. I yeah. mean, you know me for many, many years. Yeah. Um, you've interviewed me for many years. I mean, I've never been someone who is the quiet little flower in the corner, you know. And yes, I mean, a lot of people were like, what is this, the fashion miss or whatever. Um, but like for me, I didn't care. It started already in school for me. Um, you know, in school, I was already a little fashionista and I thought I had the greatest style. You know, I would wear the weirdest clothes. I would do my hair strange. I had a perm or I colored it or I had gigantic bows in it and whatever, you name it, you know, got like old things from thrift sh uh, shops or, you know, hand-me-downs for my mom and dad, like, you name it. I cut things up and redesigned things and they always were teasing me about it at school. But I didn't care because I always loved fashion and I always wanted to stand out. I always loved to be the one that everyone is looking at. I was always that person. So then when I had my hands on like amazing designers, I was like, I always was gravitated more towards the loudest thing that they designed. You know, I always wanted that piece. It's always been like that. It's kind of like if it's shiny and big or fluffy or it's super short, I'm like, yes, me, 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 I want it. You know, because there's a lot of people also, they get influenced then by, you know, their, um, their publicists, for example, because they're always like, let's keep it nice and pretty. You know, let's not rock the boat anywhere. <laughs> so, you know, and obviously if you're always very elegant and classic you know you don't rock the boat but i was always the person that loves rocking the boat because yeah. <laughs> so i guess i was going to say what's your biggest fashion regret but i have a feeling you don't have any fashion regrets. no i don't i don't you know I, that's what is the fun thing about fashion you know yeah i mean that's why also i you know when people were like oh look at bjork wearing the swan i'm like how cool is that though how cool is that to even come up with that? I mean, how cool is, first of all, the person designing this? And then second of all, for her to be so gutsy and wearing it. Like, if everyone was going, you know, chic and kind of demure, it would be so boring. You know, mm. we need to have little butterflies that kind of where you go like, what on earth is this? And what is she wearing? And what is this? I feel like that's what, you know, gets gets it exciting that everyone is a little bit different or some of us, you know? And sometimes, like you said, sometimes it's a fashion myth, but it's fun. I mean, you show me one and then you show me. What did I miss on that? <laughs> I thought I looked fabulous when I left that house. <laughs> and by the way, just, just the experience is fabulous. Yes. I mean, for me, it was always like, I mean, if it's not great, I might as well stay home. Like, why am I even going? <laughs> like, if the outfit is not great, I mean, I'd rather sit at home and watch the awards from, from my bed. You know, like when you're going, I want to also have some head turning, you know, good or bad. I want to create some kind of emotion from someone looking at this, you know, what I put together there. <laughs> What 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 advice, what sort of, yeah, I guess advice do you give your daughter? Your daughter's obviously entered this world. Mm -hmm. It's a time. I mean, she is definitely very, very different. You know, when I'm, you know, there's different options. I, again, still will go for the most fun one. <laughs> and she is kind of more like, no, more. she loves more the classic things. You know, she is, and that, you know, that's what she loves. Do you want her to be in the fashion business? Do you want her modeling? or? I, I mean, I never asked her to. I never pushed my kids into anything. And um, she that was her choice. You know, when she was 16, all of a sudden she voiced it. She was like, okay, I want to model now. And I was like, where's that coming from all of a sudden, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, because it wasn't like so many years in the coming. And then all of a sudden she's like, okay, I want to do this now. And then I'm like, okay. So then we were kind of talking about how we get her to start. And um, yeah, I think our first one, we did uh, the German Vogue cover together. And then she did so many amazing covers afterwards. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was like, I just opened like a box, Pandora box, and everyone was like, oh my gosh. I mean, she's done so many amazing things since then. I'm super proud of her. But obviously what I'm most proud of is that um, she's going to college now and um, she's going to, you know, the place where she wanted to go to. She got accepted and, you know, I'm 
super happy for her. Unfortunately, she's moving to New York to do that, so I won't be um, seeing her on a daily anymore like that, so that's sad for me. But at the same time, that's where I went first. I went to New York, same age, um, you know, she is already a little further than I was at that age because um, she knows New York inside and out because we always filmed Project Runway in New York. So she knows it since she's been a young, a young child. So, you know, it's different. She's a little bit an advantage. Me, I was running around like crazy. I wish someone would have told me that um, there is an east and a west to Manhattan and that it gets separated in the middle. I was always running around, always going to the wrong address until someone told me, well, you know that um, on Broadway and you know Fifth <laughs> Avenue, it kind of goes either to the east or to the west. And that, and I'm like, that why, why does no one tell me this? <laughs> it took me so long to figure this out. Could you believe Heidi Klum has a child who's going to college? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy when I see them. I mean, it's when I see my boys, six three. My boys are six three. I I I'm like I'm like this, looking up at my gigantic boys, and they're so handsome. Like they could also model if they wanted to. I'm not saying it, but they're like. They could. They're the most handsome boys. I mean, their bodies are rocking. They have the coolest hair, gorgeous faces. Meanwhile, my little one, Lou, she's 12. She's like, I don't think I'm going to wait until I'm 16, mom, because I'm ready now. I'm like, <laughs> but she wants to be a pop star. So she's been, she plays the piano since she's been six years. She plays the uh, ukulele. She dances once a week, um, she takes singing lessons, so she has a different kind of set of goals for her that she's trying to achieve, which is like crazy to me when I look at her, she's only 12, but you know, having three older siblings, uh, she definitely took so much from all of them. I think Lainey obviously had it the hardest um, because she was my first and God knows I had no clue what the heck I was doing because also no one around me had kids, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know. So when are we going to see the reality show Keeping Up with the Clues? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. No. No. I don't think you will see it. I imagine it's been pitched. Yeah. But, you know, I could not imagine. I mean, you know, because, I don't know, filming all day, having cameras around you all the time. Um, you know, I don't think that would be so good for for our family, really. You know, I feel like I'm very open also with a lot of personal information. And um, I always try to keep the kids out of all of that. Uh, I mean, when I show them, I usually show them in a way that you can't really see their faces because I feel like that's up to them to decide if they want to do that when they're a little bit older. But I don't want to be the one that introduces them like that to the world. So I have always kind of kept them in the background of, you know, my mm. public life. Um, but yeah. What, what do they, what do they say when they come across old footage of mom walking in Victoria's secret shows? Um, wow, mom, you look so young. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other day, you know, because I just saw my mom when I was in Germany and she had given me all my old, um, modeling portfolios, you know, because we used to have model books with all of our photos inside. And I mean, I just showed it to them the other day and they were laughing. I think I put it on Instagram. They were like, oh my God, mom, look at you here. And it's true. There's some things I don't even, it's like, who the heck is this? Also, you know, I was brunette. I'm not a blonde. My hair is super dark brown. You know, I know I don't, uh, I guess, you know, people always see me as a blonde for so many years, but my hair is really chocolate dark brown. So when you see like all my old things, it's like, I really don't look like me. So my kids are like, that's you, mom. You know, <laughs> they always laugh at all my old things. Do the, do the kids know that you're not really blonde? Yes, of course. <laughs> they know because they're like, oh, my God, you're going to the hairdresser. And they see me at home in the sink. Right. You know, either I go to the hairdresser or she comes to my house. So they see me with foils on the head always, obviously, because my roots come in so fast. <laughs> um, did you watch the Victoria's Secret documentary series? I saw the very first episode and then um, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, the only thing I watch really with my husband is Formula One. 
um, because we're both really into the racing and in Formula One and just it's just done really well because you see the business side of it all. Like, I don't know, we don't watch a lot of uh, TV. I watched that and I thought it was quite boring, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, hardly anyone I knew was on that show. I didn't know who half of those people were. So I was like, mm. who are they all talking? It's so strange. I never met any of these people. When you think back to those days, what's the memory that comes back to you? The best time ever. I had um, the best time. They did approach me. Um, they asked me if I wanted to be part of it. And I was like, if you're looking for a negative story, you're barking up the wrong tree. Because mm. I had the most wonderful time there. I felt like they were my family. I traveled the world with them. I made great friends. Alessandra, Tyra, Adriana, um, Giselle. You know, this. those are my girls. And... Um, we just had the best time together. So, you know, hearing all these stories pop up to me is like mind blowing, you know, when they accuse different people of different things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, did this really happen? I don't know. So, you know, it's, uh, I was always waiting to get more insight, but I don't know, it never came. So I never continued watching it. It is kind of amazing that when you do look at the modeling world now, how much more inclusive it is. Yes, and it should have been way sooner. Um, you know, it. I mean, I was considered uh, curvy at the time. You know, um, like I said, uh, you know, when I started and I went to Paris, Milan, or even New York, when I tried for the fashion shows, I was always too heavy. You know, they looked at me and I was too heavy. I went to Paris. They were like, can you please take these pills so that you are uh, not so hungry all the time? They would strip me down. I would be on a scale all the time and they would be like, Mon Dieu, you were just too heavy, especially for Paris. So, and I, I don't consider myself as like a heavy person, but like I was at that time for the industry. I always had boobs and childbearing hips is what they would say to my childbearing hips, which yes, they were right. I childbirthed four children, <laughs> so they came in handy after all. <laughs> but yeah, um, so it was fine though, because it made me... Um, find a different route for myself because you know that didn't change my passion for fashion you know i still wanted to be part of the industry and so i just found my spot in it you know and i just went more the commercial route and i loved it i met amazing people along the way i'm super grateful for all the opportunities you know that i got the many people that i got to see and meet and i mean still having a great time so i'm just rolling with it <laughs> but, but heidi you are you've always been having a great time i've always had a great time with you congratulations on another season thank I'm glad you a nice chat here rather than yes. just you know seconds on a carpet yes no i know because that always goes like super fast super fast so this is yeah. this is fun again congrats and um Hopefully and can you believe, I... Tim and I, you know, I always say it, we're like the longest married couple in showbiz, you know, I mean, 18 years we've been doing this together. And, you know, this is now our, you know, our baby is grown and walking. And now this is our next baby, you know, who is now three years old. And, you know, we still want to keep going. 18. Wow. Yeah. It goes fast. It goes it's amazing. Fast. Yeah. I mean, when we started this at Parsons, you know, we never even knew that this gem, Tim Gunn, was at Parsons, you know, right. because when, when we were thinking and doing the show, we didn't even have a spot as the mentor like Tim, you know. But then when we met, we were like, this guy's amazing. He's so different. He speaks so different. He looks so different. He acts so different. He needs to be on television, you know? And people fell in love with him the same way how I fell in love with him right from the very beginning, you know? And it was an amazing marriage, you know, ever since. Awesome. Heidi, thank you so much. It was so good seeing you. You too. See you Bye. Soon. That was Heidi Klum. Making the Cut is available on Prime Video. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I talk to John Boyega about his new thriller, Breaking. Hey, it's 
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. John Boyega stars in the new thriller Breaking as real-life Marine veteran Brian Brown Eastley, who took several people hostage in a bank in 2017 after he said he was mistreated by Veterans Affairs. Boyega is best known for his work as Finn in the Star Wars franchise. While Star Wars made him a household name, it also made him the target of horrendous racism, something he called out publicly, saying at the time that Lucasfilms did not do enough to prepare and protect him from the bigots. He also blasted the studio for pushing Finn aside after believing he would be a major figure in future films. I asked Boyega how he thinks the studio is doing now. Plus, he reveals that Viola Davis sent him an email to personally invite him to co-star alongside her in the much-anticipated The Woman King. Hello, friend. What's going on, Mark? You good? How are you? I'm good, man. How you been? I'm good. I think the last time I saw you maybe was like early on. Wasn't it Star Wars times? Early Star Wars times? I don't even think that Star Yeah, no, Star Wars had come out. Yeah. God. I knew it was a different bow tie. It was a different bow tie. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. You're in New York City? Yeah, New York, doing the press and, you know, doing the runs. You know how it goes. How's New York treating you? I know my mom is there. She said it was beautiful, then it was raining, then it was beautiful. You know what? Because um, I'm a Londoner, I'm, I'm liking the overcast <laughs> women, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm chilled, and I'm going to, like, you know, get warm later and watch your movies. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I don't want full sun today. I'm good with it. No, no Broadway shows for you while you're there? I, I did go and see uh, the Michael Jackson show yesterday night. But and? For, for the second time, I already okay. been to see it at first. And I was blessed yesterday because um, they had a completely different cast. So I, I tried because I went to go see Miles um, specifically first. And then I wanted to see what their understudies were like. So I'm like, how do you understudy that? <laughs> so um, I followed uh, Miles on Instagram and I saw that he was going to be taking time off. And I decided to go see it, see what the understudies were like. So uh, that, that is was- a that is a supportive co-actor in this business. Look at you. <laughs> nah, man. I, I'm just a fan of the the work. Like, and I love Michael Jackson. Um, that's what actually one of my many inspirations, Michael Jackson. So I wanted to see like who could who could possibly act every night, you know, and right. embody this man, and and it's an intimate story. Who could possibly do it? So I went to go see it out of extreme curiosity and excitement, and I cannot believe that I was thoroughly impressed. <laughs> I have to tell you, when I was a little when I was a little younger. Jackson 5 did their victory tour. It was a reunion tour. This is early 80s. Mm. I grew up in Queens. They were coming to Madison Square Garden. The New York Post was running a contest to win tickets to the concert. And I won. You won? And I won. Tito Jackson said my name on the radio. They printed my address in the New York Post. This is the height of Michael Jackson. My mom freaked out thinking that we were going to get robbed. I know where this is. My mom was scared that we were going to get robbed, that people would try to steal the tickets because they put literally put our street address. Oh, I can't even lie. Normally I'd be like, no, have an open mind, but nah, nah. No. We were going to get robbed. <laughs> so my mom took me, I took my brother, my older brother, and my mom took the tickets and hid them at a friend's place. So no one knew where those tickets were until the day they drove us to 8th Avenue, to Madison Square Garden, 6th Avenue, 8th Avenue. Couldn't get onto 8th Avenue without the tickets. So I wow. saw Paul and his brothers during the victory tour. I, that, that is dope. Man, that's yeah. a good story. That's yeah, cool. I, wore, I wore a silver glove, black parachute. <laughs> And that would have been me, man. I didn't get that opportunity. <laughs> so we got to talk about this new movie. 
Yeah. I went in it, went into it, not knowing it was a true story, which is incredible. Wow. And it, you know, I don't, I don't want to describe it as like, oh, you know, I was at the edge of my seat, white knuckling it thriller because it's more than that because it's, it's not pure entertainment, but it's mm-hmm. all entertainment. Mm-hmm. So how did you, first of all, come across Brian, even know his story and how do you balance that? We've got to make this true story. It's about a lot of important issues, but you also want to keep your audience there. And I say I hate saying entertain because it's not the right word. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but it's it's the right word, but but not in the you know the general uh, not the general definition. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's to stay entertained in order to digest the serious um serious tones and then the, then the the issues that are being explored you know in in the movie and because with movies being so visual you're literally seeing the stress uh you're seeing the reasoning behind people's actions you have kind of like god's eye on this mm-hmm. character's you know story and perspective you you definitely feel you know that you're you're connected to this story in a, in a unique way while also being entertained and 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 going through that what did you reach out to people who knew brian did you reach out to his family um and why if you if you did or didn't what was the decision behind that yeah so we so we did um and that was kind of mandatory in abby's process of getting me prepared um because of the circumstance of the development of this project like the turnaround time was near enough two weeks just from when I heard about the part to, to getting it done, like it was, wow. like there was a fast turnaround time. So in that, we had to definitely, we needed the help of, of people who knew Brian. And I knew that the people that were connected with the project from early before, they already had been in contact with Brian's family, specifically Jessica, Brian's um, ex-wife. Um, and she was the main point of call um, designated for me from, from the get-go. So once I met Abby, went through the process of quickly discussing the role discussing the character, just making sure we're on the same page in terms of my what I want to do with the character and what she wants from me as a director. Once we were on the same page with that, then it was about, you know, just opening up communication with, you know, with the family as Abby and Kwame had been doing, you know, months, you know, prior. So yeah, that connection was there. And it was just the details. She had document documentation, paperwork of, mm-hmm. of a lot of the details concerning the case. Um, and this is official documentation, um, visual, visual stuff going on there too. And so I just had to like em- just engross myself and immerse myself in this man's life. How much did you learn? I mean, it's it's you know on the surface it's very here as a veteran. Yeah, he's not being treated right. He's feeling you know pushed aside. Um, how much did you immerse yourself in terms of veterans' issues? Learning what those men and women go through when they return home so for me as an actor it was about immersing myself in the experience um understanding what it's actually like for people who go through this scenario in real life mm-hmm. um and comparing um those general points and and notes to what brian's specific situation is uh, because i can't just go in only wanting to know what brian's situation is it's just having a full scope of what it actually feels like to you know decide what what makes a person decide to even join the army to want to go out there and and fight and defend what what is their perspective in the public world before they make that choice and when they make that choice and they go out there what 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 does that feel like what does it feel like to be detached from your family what is it and so for me um thank the lord for the information that we we have out there both um in terms of you know obviously the scripts documentation and then the internet I was just, you know, immersing myself in what the perspective is. Like, what do, how do they actually feel? Not the, not the, all the academic stuff, but how, right. how do they actually feel going through this process? And, and, and in what way can I embody that um, when I go to football? How hard is it to go there spiritually, emotionally, mentally? Um, I imagine there are days on the shoot where it's, how do you, how, how do you, how do you walk away from it knowing that this was a real man, that there are, there are people out there who are still suffering the way he did, where 
the, the director says, you know, rap or cut, and you're walking off set and I'm like, I'm still John Boyega. Yeah. I mean, that that, that for me is, has always been an, an interesting balance, especially when it comes to these type of roles where you have to be fully immersed in the reality in order to portray something real for the audience to believe you. Right. Um, the main reason why we do it is just because the audience are intelligent human beings. You know, mm-hmm. if we're doing it more so for babies, you know, there'll be more, it will be much more animated, much more fake because they don't require this nuance. Right. But with with the audience and especially the way they're growing now, um, you you do have to immerse yourself into it and you do have to somewhat trick your mind into believing that this character's situation is real. But I don't know, I've always kept a steady sense of just the third person, which is the John Boyega. Wait, I always say he's waiting at the trailer door. He's just grinning. He's got cool clothes on, nice chains, and he's telling the actor, let it go and let's just go home. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's been something that I've done during the process. And with this, I was actually, I was actually um very surprised coming in. I was like, you know, I felt I felt quite comfortable taking off the crown of Brian, as I, as I would say, I'd always put on the hat so I wouldn't see my head bald. And I'd put on a hat and I'd just go out with my friends. I'd just go out in LA with my friends. I'd, I'd go out to events while we were filming and, and have that balance, you know what I mean? And then I'd come back to Brian the next day and then i let it go. And during that process, I was still able to find some magic in you know, the performance as well. Now, when you do a movie like The Woman King, do you have to go do you have to switch off or could you just like be in the woman king i mean that movie just looks so incredible yeah um, alone i i i feel like i feel like the the woman king um you know i was just so excited to even be there if i'm being honest with you yeah uh, i told gina and i told viola that i would i would be a simple tree in that movie um just to get the chance to see um i don't think every job is about the next career move um, I don't think I don't see it as that as I see sometimes I've been offered opportunities in which I'm like yeah I can do this role and yes I'm going to do my job and meet expectation but at the same time I just want to see like I want to see Viola Davis at work I want to be able to just see in the flesh how it all goes down because I'm, I'm still coming up I need to soak up information and just you know collaborating with Gina going out to South Africa um, and being there on that incredible set to see what these, you know, what these women have done in terms of these roles and how they embody it. I think everybody's in for a treat with this one. And you got jacked. Look at you. Yeah. I'll go to the gym. The cover of Men's Health. You're, yeah. start, you're starting off your career. Yeah. The back of your mind, you're going, one day I'm going to be showing off my biceps. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. The cover of Men's Health. <laughs> Don't don't be, don't don't call me out. Don't be true. Don't be true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's it like getting Jack like that and experiencing your that transformation and that power? Um, I mean, it, for me, it's just I'm got in a gym during the pandemic. Yeah, um, and decided that I would, you know, just get healthy you know just get more more healthy to be, to be able to think more straight i knew that you know star wars is coming to an end and the question that keeps on coming up even in my team meetings and you know when we sit down for our you know beginning of the day updates it's like okay so where do you go from here where do you go when you've done a trilogy um of the, basically the the the, the ha- at the highest level of of blockbuster movies, how, where how do you play it? And mm-hmm. so that was kind of like coming up, you know, quite quite on a regular when I would talk to my agent and talk to various members of my team. You know, even the assistants were asking. You know, when the assistants start asking, you're like, wait, wait what? <laughs> I was like, damn, okay, I need to I need to think. Um, and in thinking about it, that's where, you know, these these versatile films that are so different from each other came about. And, and some of it was like a call to action. I felt like definitely The Woman King was a call to action. You know, Gina got a letter together for me. Uh, Davis email came straight into my inbox. I nearly, you know, froze to death. Hold know? on, hold on. 
Yeah. Is it like V Davis at AOL.com? Is it Earth? Uh, it, 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 came, it, came, it came in and I knew it was official. That you know, I just knew I ain't gonna tell you how, but <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like it was it was official. He had you know the email before the email. Oh, it was brilliant. <laughs> so um yeah, and, and that was like, yeah, that was just an opportunity to go out there and, and just be a part of something great and witness something that could teach me some lessons, man. And when you look at The Woman King, I think a lot of people are assuming that it's a superhero movie. Yeah, and and, and you, you have to understand the symptoms of an industry that's closed its doors to Black stories like this. Oh. Uh, when it comes to integrating those stories, we're going to have extreme kind of reactions to what we think other stories are. Because right. we, have a, we have a people now that are not used to the Black buffet. That's what I call it. Where you can, have, you can have a story like Black Panther that's based on fantasy right? Like right. white people have Lord of the Rings that's based on fantasy. And then you could have a version that is kind of like Knights and Templars, which it's easy to believe that's the Knights and Templars movie, but it's more grounded. But when it comes to black stories, sometimes we, we go, oh, it's another Black Panther. Right. Uh, no, that's just because that's all you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just a, this is a story that actually inspired, um, the warriors, the female warriors that you actually even see in Black Panther. So these are this is the more grounded um, historical aspect, you know, of 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 women who team together to defend to defend their lands. I would say, you know, it's it's more about getting used to the buffet now, and I, th I think that's going to be coming, you know, coming mm -hmm. much more. It's like Children of Blood and Bone that we've been hearing about. So these are just different films within the genre that touch on the same culture. That's so interesting. I, I love that you just brought up Lord of the Rings because in, in prepping for my interview with you at the same time, you know, I just saw the Lord of the, the two episodes, the first two episodes of the new Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. Oh, it's out. I'm gonna watch that. It's not out yet. I was able to. Oh, you just exclusive like that. Yeah. And I put on Twitter, I said, I'm not a fantasy genre guy, but I'm really loving what I'm seeing with the new Lord of the Rings TV series. This one person commented, it's too woke. And I wrote, I know what that is. And I wrote back, I said, too woke? What exactly are you saying? They wrote back, it's too political. <laughs> and I wrote back, what exactly are you saying? Just say it. And it's, I sit there and I'm like, this is, fantasy genre and by the way this person's not i've even seen the series because it's not out yet oh yeah oh yeah i mean but that's the nature of um what i call the ignorance of social media sometimes social media can be used for very good positive things oh. and I actually commend people who actually uphold spaces in which nuanced conversations are had in respectful ways and I've actually witnessed a lot of those spaces but unfortunately we have another side to it in which you have people that just talk about things that they have no real perspective on yet right um, I can't tell I haven't gone through Twitter and ever seen somebody just go and say I don't know like I don't know is something that I I never see on Twitter <laughs> like I just don't know <laughs> you know what I mean there's always obviously there's a there's a you know there's a sense of power with, with Twitter and the formats uh, being about enhancing your perspective. Um, and sometimes people get it twisted in the way they they use it. But I, I, I definitely don't agree with that. But I also I also see different perspective and different sides in a sense of, of, of this, that you never want a role to seem like um, it's forced just because of an agenda. And that's what kind of gets, you know, as, as a person who's Black, it gets you annoyed as well because you're almost assuming that there are no talented black people who are suited for the role. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you just go and hire somebody because of the color of their skin, you know, and why is that? I, I always go, why is that the main assumption that this is what we're saying by inclusion that, right. that we're saying that we just want to, you know, blindly just go, okay, who's black, who's black, who's black, you go in the movie, you pick them. It shouldn't be like that. I don't even agree with that. I feel like it should still be you finding the talented individuals who are good for the job within that, Within that community, there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, so I've always, I've always disagreed with that, with that notion. It's ignorant, it's simplistic, it's just, it's not real well thought out. How do you think Disney has done since you spoke out so eloquently? I don't know how Disney have done. I don't know how they 
they've moved everything. Um, I will, all I know is, is about specifically Lucasfilm. Right. You know about you know the one Kenobi stuff, and I saw the Ewan McGregor um, video, and that 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 kind of got me like nah, that was nice. That was nice. That that got that got me a little a little emotional on that. And that's that's cool that he that he showed out for her like that. That's cool. John, it's always a pleasure. I wish we had more time. As always. Always. And, uh, you know, congrats. Great. Like I said, great movie. It, it, again, I don't want to say to people like, it's a great movie. It's a must see. It's a, it's. Uh, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's more to it. Yeah. There is more to it. And you did an incredible job and you, you hopefully, um, more people will be educated to know who Brian was, because like I said, I went into it. I had no idea it was a true story. So yeah. Yeah. Incredible life you brought to the screen. No, thank you so much, mate. Enjoy New York, safe travels, and until we meet again. All right, thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. That was John Boyega. Breaking is in theaters on Friday, August 26th. Thanks for listening to Just for Variety. Until the next time, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your breaking Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. See you soon. Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.